Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to another episode of the OMG Cyber Podcast, a cybersecurity podcast with a different perspective and shock, horror, no sponsor ads at all. That's right, no adverts, just chat, interviews, news, views, and clues about all things cybersecurity from yesteryear, today, and even the future. My name is Martin Overton and I'll be your host. I have over 30 years of hands-on cybersecurity experience, including over 30 years of combating malware, viruses, worms, trojans, ransomware, etc. Over 15 years doing ethical hacking, including social engineering, hacking the human, and over 10 years on digital forensics and incident response, from dealing with web defacements, cybercrime, right through to nation state actors and APTs. As usual, you can get in contact to us with us via Twitter at OMG CyberSec, via our website at https colon forward slash forward slash omgcybersecurity.co.uk, where you can find a contact form and telephone numbers, or you can leave a message via the Anchor FM app. Coming up in this episode, we will talk about passwords. Yes, that good old area that everybody loves, password managers, two and multi-factor authentication, and the various options, which ones are secure, which are less secure, and which to avoid if possible, etc. Please feel free to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from, so that we know if you like what you hear, and if not, tell us how we can make it better, apart from getting rid of the host, of course. In this episode's question of the day, we will hopefully answer the questions Are passwords the exploit du jour for the bad guys and girls? Stay tuned to find out. Hello, housekeeping. In this week's housekeeping, there are no errata, you'll be glad to hear. Not even anything from the insurance industry. Quite an interesting situation there. I'm not quite sure why they've not come back to me, but they haven't yet. So... As to events, I will be moderating a panel session at the Cybersecurity and Cloud Expo on the 25th of April this year in London at the Olympia Grand at 10.50 in the morning. The session is titled The Importance of Collaboration for Enterprise Cybersecurity. Interestingly, I was a panellist at last year's show in London and also presented at the event in Amsterdam later in 2018. You can find more information via the show notes where I'll put a link. And if you happen to be there, feel free to come and say hello. I don't bite honest. Well, quick update for you. I've had some nice feedback now from uh, various people, including underwriters from uh, various insurance companies, uh, from legal professionals who deal with a site with insurance too, and also from CISOs. So thank you very much, everybody, for the feedback on the last episode around insurance. Breaking news this week includes some interesting but not surprising findings from F-Secure. They found that many users were reusing passwords even though they knew the risk of doing so. And I quote, 59% reuse passwords across multiple accounts even though 91% say they understand the risks of doing so. I'll put a link to the full article in the show notes. So when you think of criminal activity such as the bad guys and girls offering stolen credit card data, identities, etc., you probably think that, yes, this all happens on the darknet, Tor or I2P. Well, a lot of it does go on there, but you'd be surprised just how much is carried out on the normal web in the open. Well, 
apart from them being closed forums or sites that you have to prove your cred to gain access to. There are numerous carding sites offering stolen card details, including the credit limit and the CVV, the CVC details too. For those of you that don't realize, the CVC and the CVV are the same thing. They are the magic three numbers off the back of your card. However, you would, would you be shocked if I told you that according to Brian Krebs back in 2018, and now the Cisco Talus Group in the last week at the time of publishing this podcast episode, they've confirmed that they have, there are a number of crime groups that use Facebook. Yes, Facebook. And that according to Krebs and Talus, guess what Facebook are doing about it? The answer is they are doing very little and they use the usual excuse they fall back on when bad things are found on their platform, which is we, Facebook, are not responsible for the material on our platform as we are not a publisher. To say that this is a cop-out is a huge understatement. If you don't believe me, I'll put some links to the relevant articles in the show notes. And I'd furthermore, I would recommend listening to the latest episode of the Sam Harris Making Sense podcast. This is episode 152, The Trouble with Facebook. Now, this is a discussion with Roger, who actually used to be a mentor for Mark Zuckerberg. And it's actually based around his book called Zucked, Waking Up to the Facebook Catastrophe. It's a very enlightening episode. So let me know your thoughts. Also, according to Talis, and I quote, over the past several months, Cisco Talis has tracked several groups on Facebook where shady at best and illegal at worst activities frequently take place. The majority of these groups use fairly obvious group names, including Spam Professional, Spammer and Hacker Professional, Buy CVV on This Shop Payment by BTC, and Facebook Hack Phishing. Despite the fairly obvious names, some of these groups have managed to remain on Facebook for up to eight years, and in the process acquire tens of thousands of group members. They go on to say, in all, Talis has compiled a list of 74 groups on Facebook whose members promise to carry out an array of questionable cyber dirty deeds, including the selling and trading of stolen bank credit card information, the theft and sale of account credentials from a variety of sites and email spamming tools and services. In total, these groups had approximately 385,000 members. What is particularly worrying is that they make it quite clear that these illegal groups on Facebook are easy to find. Furthermore, once you found them, Facebook's own recommendation algorithms will suggest other similar illegal groups to you. Yet Facebook state that they police their platforms for illegal activity. They obviously need to try harder, don't they? Talis confirmed this, and I quote, Facebook seemed to rely on users to report these groups for illegal and illicit activities to curb any abuse. Well, of course, if you're a bad guy or you're interested in these bad services, are you going to report them? No. They go on to state, this is not a new problem for Facebook. In April 2018, security reporter Brian Krebs alerted the social media site to dozens of Facebook groups, wherein hackers routinely offered a variety of services, including carding, the theft of card data information, wire fraud, tax refund fraud, and distributed denial of service, DDoS attacks. Months later, though the specific groups identified by Krebs had been permanently disabled, Talis discovered a new set of groups, some having names remarkably similar, if not identical, to the groups reported on by Krebs. Need another reason to go cold turkey and finally kick, kick your Facebook habit? Well, this could be a good one. I do hope that you are not letting your children use it. If you are, you might want to review that decision. 
Facebook have also been caught up in yet another data breach. However, this time the data was stolen from a developer. Does this sound familiar? It should, as this is not dissimilar to the Cambridge Analytical breach. This time the breach company is a media company known as Cultura Collectiva, based in Mexico, and also another belonging to the former social app at the pool. Here's a quote from the article on Trusted Reviews. I will add a link to the show notes. The two databases contain different information. The Cultura, Cultura Collectiva database has over 540 million entries and shows likes, comments, reactions, account names and other data. data. There's a serious wedge of data here, 146 gigabytes of personal information. However, the second database from the now defunct social media app, app at the pool could be much more damaging as it is storing the plain text passwords, so these are clear text passwords, of 22,000 users for the app. So less a non-dear podcast subscriber, and hopefully you can ensure that these latest data breaches will have little impact on you. You are using unique passwords for every site, aren't you? Are you sitting comfortably? Do you have your popcorn? This is the main part of the show. Let's go. Okay, let's talk about passwords, password management and the good, the bad and the damn right ugly issues surrounding them. Do you have a password like QWERTY? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A bit like we saw with a European politician recently. Let me in maybe. Secret. Or maybe use the password invalid. Why? Because it's easy to remember as often the website will tell you that your password is invalid. I don't suggest you use that. I do hope that uh, none of you are actually using Facebook to access other services or sites, your Facebook ID and user account, you know, where you've got the option when you go to a site to log in with your Facebook account or credentials. Not a good idea. If you are, you have not been paying attention to all the data breaches that Facebook has suffered over the last few years, at the very least. If you are using that, I would strongly suggest that you don't use it in future as it could be another way for the bad guys and girls to gain access to other sites and services that you use. Even better, stop using Facebook. I did. You'll thank me in the long run. A heartfelt plea from me. Please, please, please and pretty please, cherry optional. Do not make a hacker's job easier by using the same password on multiple sites. Why? Because the problem is if you use the same password on multiple sites, it allows the bad guys and girls to carry out what is known as credential stuffing or password spraying. I talked about password spraying in the last episode and I will cover credential stuffing shortly. The problem is that once the bad guys and girls have found a valid set of credentials, a user ID and password for one site that you use, they will try the same ones on other sites. So if you use the same password and user ID on your bank account, in Amazon, on Gmail, etc. The bad guys can gain access all of your sites. Of course, it's better if you use what's known as two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication, but or, and also a password manager to store and create strong, unique passwords for every site automatically for you. It basically, it's belt and braces, folks. A password safe or password manager, as they're sometimes called, is an encrypted database which you have store locally on your laptop or your phone, etc. Think of it of being like a physical notebook with a padlock that only you have the key to. These are often cross-platform as well, so they'll work on multiple platforms, Mac, Windows, Android, iOS, etc. 
and they'll also integrate with most web browsers too. So you don't have to remember the passwords at all. They will fill them in automatically for you. You can even enable two-factor or multi-factor authentication on the password manager itself, so which is protected by a master password. So that way you have belt braces and super glue. This means that even if the bad guys steal your, your password database, your password manager file, they can't get in because they don't have the second factor of authentication. And I can hear some of you saying, oh my God, what the hell is two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication? Let me explain. When you use a user ID and a password, that's a single factor, something you know, your user ID, your password. The second factor is often a token or a one-time code. It's the second factor, something you have or are. So it can include things like face recognition, fingerprint, etc. This can include solutions such as Google Authenticator, Authy, Duo, RSA, YubiKey, or even biometric controls such as face recognition, fingerprint, voice, etc. Using two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication will mean that it doesn't matter if your user ID and password is compromised as long as the site you are using, using uses 2FA and you have enabled it and the site has implemented it properly so that it can't be bypassed easily. Most large sites, including Google, Microsoft, Dropbox, Facebook, etc., all have 2FA or multi-factor authentication and support, but don't use a 2FA that sends you one time codes via SMS, so a text message. That's not secure, as this can easily be captured either via the network or what is or via what is known as SIM porting or SIM swapping. This is becoming a major threat and has cost some victims the contents of their bank accounts, their Bitcoin or other digital currency wallets. Also, Reddit were compromised via SMS-based 2FA just recently. So this extra, extra protection basically means that even if they have your valid user ID and password for that site, they can't access your account as they don't have the second factor only you do. In theory, this makes it impossible for anyone but you to gain access to your account on that site. But there are ways to sidestep this protection, as I mentioned back in episode one. You were paying attention, weren't you? However, as usual, there are still ways non-trivial for the bad guys and girls to get you to give them the second factor, but that's another story. So as I mentioned previously, I was going to talk a little bit about what credential stuffing is and why you should care. So credential stuffing is a type of automated attack, which is very similar to what we call as a hacker dictionary attacks. This is where a list, often huge, and we're talking sometimes millions or billions of accounts uh, of passwords are tried one after another until the list runs out. The account gets locked out or the hacker finds the correct, the valid password for the account. The way that credential stuffing is different is that the hacker has a list of user IDs, often email addresses and passwords that have been dumped from a breach. They simply run these against each website that they think you may have an account on. So I hear you say, so what? Well, the problem is if you use the same user ID and password on multiple sites and that user ID and password is compromised, stolen in a hack, the bad guys and girls now have your credentials for other sites where you have reused the same password and user ID. So I can hear you actually saying, well, how do I protect myself then? So there are a number of ways to reduce the risk of credential stuffing and related attacks, including phishing and social engineering. These include never using the same password on multiple sites. 
known as password reuse, which we've talked about, as it makes it easier for the bad guys and girls to take over your accounts. And once they've got access to, let's say, your Gmail account or your other email account, they can actually easily reset passwords on other sites, even if you have different passwords. They will be in control of your email account. Use strong, long, unique passwords for each and every site and store these in a password safe or password manager. Think of it as, say, like an, a physical notebook with a padlock that only you have the key to. You can find out more about password managers in one of my other blog postings on my site. Even better, enable what is known as two-factor or multi-factor authentication. Again, that will make it harder for the bad guys to try and get in and to bypass your existing controls. I know some of you are probably thinking, well, that's all well and good suggesting using unique passwords. You know, it sounds easy, but how do I generate a good unique password? Well, the answer is you don't need to do it at all. It's done by any decent password manager program. They'll do it for you. In fact, you don't even need to know the password, just as long as you remember the master password for the password manager's safe or password vault. Simple. So that wraps up that part of it. I'm going to go on to the question of the day next. If there's anything you think I've missed, please let me know and drop me a, a, a note and I will sort that out in the errata next time. So today's question of the day is, are passwords the new exploit du jour? The quick answer really is no, they're not. However, as with most things, it isn't quite as simple as that. Let me walk you through how things have changed over the last 10 plus years and how passwords have now become the main exploit technique other than unpatched systems or applications, you know, poor config or coding errors and end users, of course. To start, we need to go back in cyber history, back in time. Let's go back to the 80s, the 90s and the early noughties and look how passwords were captured and misused. As an ethical hacker, penetration tester and web application tester, I have many years of experience and hacks to call on to cover this. In the years prior to 2005, most passwords were stolen via social engineering, phishing, etc., or via hacking a system or application and using that as a pivot point, a beachhead basically, to scour an organization's network for the password file, usually imaginatively called password.txt, password.doc, or password.xls. Yes, really, that is the case. One of the first things we would look at for on a site when we compromised it or an infrastructure was these particular files, and we would usually find them. Or we would find uh, the vulnerable or insecure systems, including ones with default or weak credentials. Coming back to the password issue again. The file usually would contain either personal passwords for the user of that system, or if I was really lucky, it would be the password file for the system administrator, the IT manager, the help desk, or other technical resource that had much sought after root, admin, or other privileged account credentials to allow me to escalate my privileges, actually to increase my privileges, upgrade them from user or other restricted account access level to effectively admin or god level. In the best cases, this could then be used to become domain admin or domain administrator, which means that I would have unrestricted access to all systems on the domain using Microsoft Active Directory. Once I had that level of access, it was game over for the owners of that network, as I could do anything, access all the systems and all the data on them. There were other ways for me to get passwords. The most common other way was to dump the password hashes from Windows or Linux or other Unix flavors, 
and then crack them. This means doing either a so-called dictionary attack using a list of known words, passwords until a match is found, or brute force attacks, trying every combination of letters, numbers and other characters until a match is, fa is found. Or even using what's known as rainbow tables. Now rainbow tables are pre-computed password hashes in a database. These are then used to simply compare the stolen password hash, because passwords are not stored as passwords, they're stored as hashes, to those in the tables until a match is found. This is harder to do nowadays though, as hashes are often protected by techniques such as salting, which means that the hash for password123 on one system will not be the same as on another system, server or site, as long as the salt is not the same on both. Hopefully you're still with me. So let's go back to the future. So what about password misuse since 2005 until today? Well, over the last 10 years, we've seen numerous mega breaches, as well as loads of smaller data breaches. This has meant that almost 8 billion sets of credentials, that's our current best estimate, have now been stolen. That includes user IDs and password combinations. These data or credential dumps are widely used by cyber criminals and other hackers to carry out attacks using credential stuffing. You can see if your email address and credentials have been in one of these dumps on Have I Been Pwned, run by well-respected security researcher Troy Hunt. So this site has over 7 billion sets of credentials that have turned up in data dumps from hacked or compromised sites and servers. I'll put a link in the show notes. So in summary, yes, nowadays passwords are the new exploit and we need to move beyond them or at least make them less of an exploit. What else are the bad guys and girls doing with stolen credentials? Well, as covered in previous blog entries on my site, talking about extortion, stolen credentials, user IDs and passwords are being used to add credibility to the email sextortion scams. We will see this technique used for other scams, again, to give you proof that they have your data to your account or the system, etc. So even if you receive an email that says, I know that your password is XYZ, on this account, etc. Be very, very skeptical because it's very likely to a scam just using data from these major mega, mega dumps. I've added a new section to this particular episode. Let's call it uh, Acronym Avenue. So let's take an amble down Acronym Avenue. This episode's acronym is APT. Advanced Persistent Threat, that's what it means. According to Wikipedia, an Advanced Persistent Threat, APT, is a stealthy computer network attack in which a person or group gains unauthorized access to a network and remains undetected for an extended period. The term's definition was traditionally associated with state sponsorship, but over the last few years there have been multiple examples of non-state sponsored groups conducting large-scale targeted intrusion intrusions for specific goals. An APT may have either business or political motives. APT processes require a high degree of covertness and over a long period of time, the advanced process signifies sophisticated techniques using malware to exploit vulnerabilities in systems, although that's not always the case. The persistent process suggests that an external command and control system is in is continuously monitoring and extracting data from a specific target. The threat process indicates human involvement in orchestrating the attack. Now, however, this is just a fancy marketing term, in my opinion, for a targeted attack. I personally describe it as a 
persistent penetration test with no approval, no boundaries, which includes hacking, social engineering, and malware to compromise and collate data via your systems and networks for the benefit of the nation state or cyber criminal gang. So there you have it. That's all folks for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it or at least found it useful. Please leave a review on whichever podcast platform you use as it does help others to find us. Thank you. Stay safe out there. Ta-ta for now. Just a reminder... If you want to actually come on the show, please let me know. Happy to have somebody come on and actually uh, talk to me to challenge some of the things I've said. You know how to get in contact. Bye.